0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and then to mine. A call out to all of those who lived well and died well, who met the challenges of their time in a way that creates for us a great legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our bloodlines. A call out to these ancestors to stand with us, the living, that we might do what we are called to do in a way that does not repeat the useless mistakes of the past, but learns from them, that draws on the gifts that we have learned from the great travesties of humankind. That learns from what has happened before us and go and allows us to go forward in a way that is different, in a way that is more fiercely loving, a way that is allows us to be greater advocates for all of life. And I ask these ancestors to gather around and to help us to be inspired and creative and do what is uniquely ours to do. And I ask them to gather around and simply hold the space that we might emerge as the men and women that we were called to be so that we can do what needs to be done for those who are coming. And I call out to those ancestors who were here on this beautiful planet long before there were humans. I call out to these spirits of nature, spirits of the land, the great spirits of the land to gather round us and to show up in our lives as powerful helping spirits. To communicate with us and work with us in a way that allows us to co-create a world that is truly a new world for the next passing of time. So, with these ancestors and their many forms gathering round, let us gather ourselves, drawing ourselves from wherever we are into our heads. And with the next breath, draw our energy down from our heads to our hearts. And with the next breath, from our hearts to our bellies. And take a moment and reach down to the earth. Stop all the multitasking. Unplug for just a moment. And give thanks to the earth for the wonder of this day, for the fact that you are alive and that your day is filled with the journey of your destiny and that this day is filled with diversity and beauty, challenges and great acts of your own personal nobility. We call out to the energy of the earth to hear our gratitude for giving us a home and a place to walk the journey of our life. And we give thanks for the wonder of life itself. And with the gratitude pouring out from our hearts, let us extend our energy down through all the layers of the earth, down into the very center of the earth, and to anchor ourselves firmly there. And to take a moment there in the center of the earth to be in the darkness, in the stillness, in the silence. Yes, there is a fiery core in the center of our earth, but in the essence of this energy is that which is before the energy that is before it becomes abundance, before it becomes the expression of life here on the surface of the earth. And so we tune in to that energy that refreshes and renews and restores. And we draw this energy up into ourselves and into our day, into these proceedings, as we would cup our hands and draw up fresh water that bubbles to the surface of the earth, especially on a very hot, hot day. As we draw this energy in to refresh, renew, restore, and replenish, we ask the energy of the earth to help us to learn about manifestation, how to be here in form, in a good way, and to begin this learning through groundedness. May we ground ourselves here so we begin to get a sense of living in our body, knowing where we stand and what we stand for, and may we build our sense of home and our sense of belonging on this place this place that we stand on and stand for. And may we open the door to our home, to those who are other than we are, that we might be inspired by those around us into our own greatness through that which provokes us. May we not seek a sense of shelter and home by simply surrounding ourselves with those who are like us, but open our heart in courage to those who are different and to listen, to embrace, to come to know and love all the many human expressions here on this planet and all the many expressions of life. This is the teaching of the earth and may we learn from the earth how to connect within ourselves, how to connect with our environment, how to connect with others in our environment and connect with the spirit world all in a good way so that we come to feel ourselves in that place, in that great web of life. And may we take from that oneness, that moment of sensing ourselves within that oneness, may we take from that right relationship with ourself and all other things and as we continue to connect and learn to better connect and interconnect from the energies of the earth let us draw that energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind, and up and out through the sky and whatever it holds for you today, and out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, and reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe. By whatever name you know this energy, whatever way you conceive of it, connect with this radiant energy, connect with this divine energy, that which bestows upon us the essence energy of blessing, and we call this down into ourselves, into our circle, here at these proceedings, and into your own day. Call in the energy of blessing, We draw down this energy of protection, of devotion and commitment, of the mentors that we will find, the champion at our side, the companions on the journey. We call these energies in. We call in the benevolence of our universe and all the wisdom of our cosmos. We call these energies in and let them protect and bless and nourish us in this day. We draw this energy down from our heads to our hearts, our hearts to our bellies, and send it down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open our center channel, infuse it with the energy of earth and sky, and become the meeting place of these two great legendary lovers. It is from their big love that all of this experience of form is birthed into existence. And we give gratitude for this. And we invite the spirit of that big Love to awaken the spirit in our own heart, our own capacity for love and expression. And may the crucible of transformation that lives in the heart be awakened by this presence. And may that crucible draw up the fiery passions of your belly that hold the deep, deep truth of why you are here and call down the crystal clarity of your mind that is able to look around you and understand how do we do this in our own time. And to call these energies together in the heart that they might dance a wild and passionate tango. And through that dancing, through that dynamic tension, that they will give birth the third and most sacred thing that you carry, which is your knowing of why you are here. Whether it's just a sense or a feeling or a full-blown vision, it doesn't matter. May you find in your heart the courage to do something with whatever you've got there in your heart and to bring your own gifts into manifestation in the world. And for all the spirit help that we have to do this every day, whether we remember to call them in or not, I give great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give thanks to Kelly and Eduardo, to Melissa, Malama, and John, to all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. The show is listener-supported, and I am deeply grateful for you listeners who do manage each year, just barely, but we do do it each year, we manage to pay the bills. Those, those bills that must be paid to keep the show not only on the air, live and on the air, but in the archives and available free to anyone anywhere in the world who can get on the internet, who can get on iTunes, who can get at com. And so I give gratitude to those of you that are helping me do that. And I give gratitude to the rest of you who are doing other things that are helping the show to grow as well those of you that share the shows, those of you that bring the teachings into your journey circles, into your life, use them, see what happens, ask me questions, suggest new show ideas, all of the many ways that you are helping the show to grow and these teachings to become part of our life, this, this practical application of shamanism in our contemporary lives. I give gratitude to all of you and all the many things that you are doing. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you, even if it moves you to frustration and irritation, you have been moved, and I ask you to do this most fundamental of shamanic things, which is to allow what moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world. And for this, every every moment of this that you offer to why shamanism now, I am deeply grateful. We are live today, so if you have questions about today's show, you are welcome to call in at five one two. Seven seven two one nine three eight. You can Skype in at the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.com. If I can't respond live on the air to your emails, there's many, many a listener email that turns into a really interesting show, and I am grateful for your questions. So today, we're going to talk about Sovereignty. So, if we really want to be new people who are able to write a truly new story for a new world, which is something that we started talking about with many other interesting people on the planet um, two or three years ago with the solstice of 2012. And so, what does it really take to create a new world? And if we look at the many uprisings around the world, people frustrated with their uh, lack of sovereignty, their freedoms, their basic human rights being violated continuously by their government, many governments were overthrown only to be replaced by a new state of chaos and lack of freedom and what I see in this is not a criticism of the people who have done this because this is this is humanity. this is on all of us. What I see again and again, whether it 's a small personal Challenge, or an entire country filled with challenge is that we fail in our imagination. We fail in our ability to imagine what it could be. And one of the main reasons that we fail in this imagination, and so imagination is part of these shows I'm doing right now around creativity, and there are a number of them because our failure of imagination is critical at this time. We must re-inspire our imagination and creativity. Because it's not just the ability to imagine things being different. It's the ability to imagine yourself as the different person that is going to make those changes real. And that requires sovereignty. I've actually been journeying and thinking about this a lot. Where does the falling down come from? Where does the failure of imagination really come from? And the Helping Spirits have helped me to see that one of the great issues is the establishment of personal sovereignty. And this is particularly poignant, particularly an issue in countries that are forged um, alongside or even within a monotheistic religion. Judeo-Christian-Muslim, many of the great world religions are monotheistic. And at the core of monotheistic religions is the idea that the humans are separate from God. And that what the religion offers is the path for that re-legioning with God. Now there's nothing wrong with that idea at its heart, at its intention except for the fact that it's based on a lie the lie that we are actually separate from god in the first place we're not separate from anything everything's connected and this is the deep deep understanding not only that shamanic people have had from the from the beginnings of humanity but science is telling us now and so The reason that this is important is if you believe you are separate from God, then you look to God to establish your sovereignty. And it is a hopeless Sisyphusian journey. If you understand that you are not separate from God, that you are part of the divine, then sovereignty becomes an innate birthright. And so the repair of our relationship with our own sovereignty, I believe, is critical if we as individuals all over the world going to actually be able to ground our imagination and creativity into the vision of what could be and then be able to actually take the steps to make it happen because the bottom line is the steps to make it happen are going to be work and you're going to need to be responsible for things you didn't have to be responsible for before, right? That's just – there's no other way. That's how it's going to unfold but it won't unfold unless we can change our relationship with sovereignty. So for this new story to happen, for a new world, we must be creative. We must be both the dreamers and the manifestors. And for those of you that are thinking about springtime here in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the essence of springtime and the liver. It's liver time. It's the time of the dreamer and the manifestor waking up. So this is precisely the time for those of us up here in the Northern Hemisphere to pay attention to this to do this we must co-create with the invisible world working day by day with our helping spirits and if it's going to be a truly truly new story we must co-create with our true ancestral helping spirits not just the dead people wandering around but actual ancestral helping spirits and there's many shows about that but the thing is we must be able to rise Beyond, Not just above, but beyond in many ways the current patterns of fear and shame and disconnection from source that characterizes much of the recent history of the Western world and its ongoing dominance um, of the world at large. So to do any of this, any of what must be done, why? Because we're the people that are here. So we're the only ones who can do it. So if we're going to be able to do it, we must change our relationship with sovereignty. We must cultivate sovereignty, which is the power to self-govern. So as I said, for those of us raised in this sort of Judeo-Christian Muslim world, we really need to cultivate true sovereignty and understand it very differently. And this is much more critical than you think. Um, And this is true for anybody raised in any culture that is dominated by a monotheistic religion or religions. Even if you weren't raised in the religion, if you were raised in the culture that is connected to that religion, you're still going to be influenced by these ideas. So it's critical for all of you. Now, if you're raised in a religion or with indigenous teachings that are actually um, like Taoism, like many uh, shamanic cultures... uh, see at the root of everything this complementary dualism that are not raised on this lie of separation then sovereignty will come more naturally to you but for those of us that didn't get that got the lie of separation spoon spoon fed to us from birth sovereignty is a big deal okay so When we are taught that we are separate from the source, we are simply fundamentally ill-equipped to grasp the need for sovereignty and the steps to create it. So, So one of the first things we have to do then is look outside of our culture, if that's the case, for an understanding of what sovereignty is. Because if you Google it, a lot of what you get around sovereignty has to do with God's sovereignty or the bloodlines sovereignty of the nobility of the kings and the queens and the actual people who were labeled sovereigns. And so once again, it's precisely that distortion which causes us to miss the point that to be sovereign is each human being's birthright. So I'm going to turn to a colleague of mine, Frank McEwen, who, um, Written, wrote a number of books in the early 2000s. And um, I want to focus today particularly on a book he wrote called The Celtic Way of Seeing, published in 2007. And um, I'm focusing on this book. It's still available if you, if you want it because it speaks well of sovereignty and particularly how we apply ancient ideas of sovereignty to the contemporary world, which is ours. So this book, The Celtic Way of Seeing, is about the Irish spirit wheel. Some people call them medicine wheels. Um, Some call them medicine hoops. Some call them spirit hoops. (laughs) There's lots of ways to talk about it. But basically, it's a template of how to see the world in the micro and the macro. It's a map, in essence. Um, So I'm also sharing this particular book today because it contains an abundance of meditations, that you could use if, if sovereignty is a big deal and you sort of think, hmm, maybe I should work on that. It, it, the book itself contains meditations to help cultivate your sense of sovereignty. So it's a great resource, um, particularly for those of you that aren't going to necessarily be interested in the journeys that come at the end of the show, that um, it gives you a way to begin to work with it just simply through meditation. Okay, so as I said, all spirit wheels from all the different cultures, they resonate as guides. They guide us on a micro level, my personal journey, my journey through the day, but also on the macro level um, for humans because humans simply tend to lose our way. So it can talk, uh, a spirit wheel can talk to me about a day, it can talk to me about a phase in my life, but it can also talk about the whole life. Um, and they're basically a map of life or a map of the soul, and as with all spirit wheels, no matter who which peoples they are um, they belong to, um, the spirit wheels come alive when we, who wish to engage with them, begin a conscious practice of consulting the directions. And so this is part of the humble beginnings of the cosmology of the cycle teachings, the teachings that I teach and that particular cosmology. It has its own spirit wheel that has um, four directions, four elements, four archetypal energies, teachers, crazy logic teachers, and has a whole cast of characters that populate the wheel. But it all begins, and it all began literally in my own life, by talking to the directions, and most spirit wheels began there, talking to the directions and working with them and learning from them as you do other helping spirits. So for those of you that went straight for your power animal or straight for the ayahuasca or straight for your mesa, there's nothing wrong with a power animal or ayahuasca or your mesa except for the fact that if you've done that without connecting with the directions, your practice is not contained and it's important to contain your practice, it's alchemy, it has to happen inside of something and the whole everything is not um, containment enough. Okay. So this is the beauty of a cosmology or a spirit wheel is it, it's a, and beginning to speak with the directions. It allows us to begin mentally, emotionally, spiritually and physically to contain our practice whatever that practice might be. So as Frank explains in his book, our life becomes the wheel. This is as we communicate with the directions. And the wheel becomes a living interactive energy, symbolizing different aspects of our psyche or our soul. And when we spend time with the deeper aspects of the wheel, we cultivate the deeper aspects of ourselves. So in the Irish spirit wheel, then in the north... Um, that energy is about – it's interesting to sh- share another wheel. You know, This is not the wheel that I use, but it's a really great wheel for cultivating sovereignty. So I'm sharing it. So the Irish spirit wheel, the north, speaks to battle in the sense of tr- cultivating true warriorship by meeting challenges in life in a way that teach us to become – teach us to Um, employ the conscious and balanced use of power. This includes learning about our shadow, learning about our emotions and about the battle that often develops for contemporary people between the ego and the soul. So this is the north of this particular wheel. The east in this wheel is about prosperity but in particular a prosperity that arises out of generosity, hospitality and gratitude. And this is very important when it comes to sovereignty because if you think of sovereignty as king and queen, the sovereign line, and you're the peasant, right, that sense of separation, then you get a sense of prosperity that is based on entitlement. And entitlement is really anti-gratitude, right? Instead of recognizing that sovereignty, sovereignty comes out of the earth and it comes out of our gratitude and our understanding that we are not entitled to anything, that we are grateful for everything, that we are humble and grateful and out of the prosperity that comes into our life through that way of being with life, we are able then to be generous and to express hospitality. So think about the part when I do the invocation in the beginning of the show about opening your home to others. That's hospitality. That's generosity. Okay. So that's the East in this Irish wheel. So moving on to the South in this wheel, that is music or vibration. You know, music is a manifestation, whether it's song or instrumental. It is uh, about vibration. It is a way that, that we capture the stories in the songs by the bard it's also a way that we can heal Um, it is about connecting with the great flow of life that becomes known to us through inspiration the inspiration of the music you know the music coming through the poem the song coming through the dance coming through um so it's it's about this um more holistic way of knowing that is the head and the heart and the vision and the body coming together um, in alignment um, to create things that are not just fantasies, but to create, for example, a teaching story or a song that becomes eternally useful in the Andean shamanic perspective that grows corn, you know, that is something that is useful, not just now, for, but the people who are coming. And that it's useful in a way that's good for all living things, not just humans, right? So that's north, south, east. Oh, and west, sorry. Um, West is knowledge. I kind of merged things there. Sorry about that. So we have the inspiration and the teachings of the relationship with the invisible and visible world in the south. And then we have knowledge and that alignment of the head and the heart and the body in the West, sorry about that. Anyway, all four of these directions then connect through the center and the center of the Irish wheel is sovereignty. Okay, and in this sovereignty arises from the earth. It dwells in the middle of everything and it connects everything. So as Frank says in his book, in the primal Irish tradition, sovereignty is a goddess. She holds the center of the wheel The living hub of energy that connects all the directions to which all paths ultimately lead. In this context, sovereignty is the core of the heart of our life. Every day, we must all be able to answer the questions, Am I in good standing with my destiny? Are you? Every day, in the cultivation of sovereignty, every day we ask the question, Am I in good standing with my destiny? Am I in good standing with my life? Am I in good standing with my sovereignty? So to ask these questions, to feel the honesty of the answers, and to change answers that you can't live with by changing yourself, this is part of the cultivation of sovereignty. Am I in good standing with my destiny? Am I in good standing with my life? Am I in good standing with my sovereignty? So the important thing to understand about the distinction between being in good standing with your destiny and being in good standing with your life is there are many people that can focus down tight on what they believe in expression of their destiny and go forward towards that destiny in a way that does great damage. And not healthy, destructive damage that's just renewing life, but simply self-serving. Um, damage that occurs when people are unaware, when they're not seeing, they're not listening, they're not conscious that they exist in a greater connection of all things. And so in the Irish wheel that comes through um, the south and the west and that's the point of these different wheels is they help us recognize it's not just about me doing my soul's purpose and living my destiny it's not that I am entitled to it, it's that I am responsible to it And that in that responsibility, I'm responsible for expressing that destiny in a way that is good for all life. And so that's why these two questions matter. Am I in good standing with my sovereignty? And am I in good standing with my life, my whole life? Okay. So Frank continues. In the ancient stories, the goddess of sovereignty bestows rulership on those who are in right relationship with her. But not until they have heeded certain requests. This is no less true of our lives. Our sovereignty and destiny depend on whether or not we have listened to and heeded the requests of our souls. And so the, the metaphor of sovereignty as a goddess is speaking to the Taoistic nature of this relationship between each of us, you know, as a human between the the healthy ego and the need to manifest the destiny, the yang expression of it, and the yin cultivation of that sovereign energy, that relationship with who we are, where we stand, why we're here, what we're willing to die for. That inner peace is that yin peace. This is what we restore our relationship with each winter in the return in that kidney time which we talked about last winter so you see this whole wheel of the year turning the wheel of the human turning through the movement of the organ systems and the wheel of life how we access the energies that help us to live our destiny it's all working together if we simply can pay attention and participate okay so Sovereignty then comes out of our work with earth elements and with the earth as a teacher and it is needed if we are to know our own center and our own relationship with our destiny. We, must, uh, we need a sense of this to feel into our soul's purpose enough to co-create with the energies around us and in doing that we then can manifest for that inner dreamer so what happens then if you are one of those shamanic practitioners who does not work with earth energies so you've translated the information about the problematic dynamics of working in the middle world which it is problematic because we're here so it's a mess right it's very messy granted but many people have translated that into not working with earth energies into not working with the spirits of the land and and if you do that you will be crippled in your practice of cultivating your own sovereignty. So think about this, the logic of this. You're not working with earth energies because you're afraid of energies that would influence or possess or invade. And in doing so, you do not develop your sovereignty, which then guarantees you are much more easily influenced, intruded upon, or possessed. So, it is critically important for those of you that do understand the problems of the middle middle world to reconcile that understanding with the deeper truth that shamanic practices are earth-based practices. They are based on working with the elemental energies of the earth, the spirits of the land, the great spirits of the land, and the earth herself. And then out of that, the uniqueness of many of the shamanic cultures comes out of the actual kind of land they live on, whether they're in the Amazon or up in the Andes, in Siberia, the Great Plains. You know, these things certainly influence their practice, but they are earth based practices. So, as a contemporary practitioner, what is happening if you do not work with earth energies? Particularly if you are afraid to work with earth energies, if you have misunderstood true information about what's going on in the middle world such that you are afraid of your own home. What happens to any energy practice, not just shamanic, but any energy practice if you do not draw on the energies of the earth in gratitude, in um, humility, with offerings and with thanks, what happens is we move out of this place of generosity and hospitality that is based on that gratitude and into a place of entitlement into a place where the energies are now moving in our head. We're moving up into air elements and fire elements. And we begin to practice our energetic practice with all of the imbalance of contemporary Western culture. That the balance of our expression of our healing forms, whatever they are, or even our meditative forms, even if we're not healing anyone but ourselves, the balance of those, the expression of that is our cultivation of our own relationship with our body which is our earth and the earth itself and in that the energies that restore and refresh and renew so that our expression is true is a true young expression okay so I'm sure for those of you who have been listening to the shows over the last few months you can see this connection between the winter solstice work that we did about if you're willing to transform these energies now and work hard in this coming year which is this wood ram year you will see payoff for your hard efforts which hasn't been all that true the last couple years and so it's, it's a big deal. A lot of people listened to those shows and did that winter solstice ritual and had big changes who come out of it. And so, and I'm saying that only to say, you know, the, the the spirits are trying to help us. And if we just do what they tell us to do, it's actually working, right? So then I've offered shows about co-creating because this is the thing. If I'm if I'm re re if I'm changing myself, I have to be able to imagine being different and how to co-create a new life, a new story and a new life with spirit. So we've had all these shows about co-creating. And then that's moved us now, we're moving in the northern hemisphere at least, into liver time, which is the time of the dreamer manifester. And so these are the ideas we're building on in today's show to try to try to really create all the pieces that we each as humans need to put into place to begin to live differently. Write a new story for a new world to really do that, not just talk about it. So I'm going to share a story. I think I have time to share a story. And this is a story about what happens when the piece that is missing in the puzzle is only sovereignty. So I have a student and a client um, who is the adult child of an alcoholic mother, and this uh, this uh, ch- mother and child were mother and childing at a time in America at least when the mother's alcoholism was not recognized as alcoholism or as a legitimate um, issue instead it was just considered her weakness of character I mean there was certainly a time in the in in my lifetime basically when Um, Many people believe that women weren't alcoholics. They just, it wasn't, we didn't treat it the same way we did with men. Thank goodness we figured that one out. But anyway, so this is the time. So we have this mother with her untreated alcoholism um, and this child growing up, this little girl growing up in this home. So this woman grows into her adulthood and she does decades of work. Many different kinds of therapy from psychiatry, you know, through psychology, different kinds of therapy, expressive art therapy, dance therapy, um, learning, doing lots of good work, learning a lot, changing our behavior, learning new skills and offering those to others. So there's nothing really missing in that thing. She also eventually begins to do shamanic work, working with helping spirits, working with ancestors, cultivating her relationship with her helping spirits. And, and it was particularly in a retreat with me where she, we were working on – everybody was in the retreat working on power and our ability to access our power, which is very much tied into the core issue of the show today, which is that lie of separation. And so we're really confronting in this in the work of the third year in the cycle, we're confronting all the many ways we carry that lie of separation and how it disengages us from um, the our right use of will and the full access to the power that we've been granted in this life to do what we've come here to do. And so in pursuing where her power was hidden um, to her, hidden, hidden from herself. What she found was this great underground lake, you know, like an enormous aquifer in the darkness underground, but it was a great lake of anger. It was this repository of this child's anger that she could never have afforded to express with her alcoholic mother. Um, But just her anger for year after year after year after year of all that occurred in that life and... And in the life of a woman in America of any color who doesn't get to do what she can do, you know, what she could do because she's a girl. I mean, it was much more sexist time. I mean, all that, just this anger, lake of anger. And um, how beautifully she'd hidden this, her anger in this lake and then passed, right, as a woman who fit in to the status quo. Totally passed. So much so that even she believed that lie. So anyway, so here we are in this work and we find this missing energy in this great underground hidden lake of anger. And now, of course, the lake is no longer hidden. So now if you're putting two and two together, liver in its dysfunctional emotional place is anger. In its functional energy, we move into the emotional states that support both the dreamer and the manifester, right? So if you're looking for your power, Finding an enormous hidden lake of anger is a great gift. It's a great resource because now you just have this huge untapped resource of anger that needs to be expressed so that it can be transformed directly into your power to be creative and dream and manifest. I mean, the whole answer to everything she'd been working on for decades was in that lake. In that lake of anger, and understanding the relationship in the liver between um, anger as unhealthy, as an expression of an unhealthy liver, and then um, you know, ironically, the liver, right? When the mother's the alcoholic, but anyway, so here we are. So, in this woman, in her life, there is a pattern of being very good at manifesting but not good at dreaming. And this is partly because this energy, this liver energy is constantly shunted into anger and anger in the moment rises up to help us know what needs to change, to help us know what we care about, to help us know where the boundaries are. I mean, these are the things that help us understand what we stand for, what matters to us. You know, see the tie in here to sovereignty, but also to dreaming. What inspires us? What do we care about? What is our vision for what we want our life to be? If we shunt all of our anger into this great lake, right, we don't know. And so consequently, as an adult, she had a deep pattern of being really good at manifesting as long as it was somebody else's dream. Now, in that pattern, part of this is also generational, She is of that generation of women in America who were told your destiny is to support your husband and your children. You know, so part of that was generational, but, you know, that's a story you can get yourself out of. Part of it was um, certainly rebellion towards the alcoholic mother. So it was childish. But again, with clearing practices, which she has many, you can get yourself out of that. So, but... The bigger part of this, though, the really crippling part was this habit of not having personal sovereignty. And and that that was set up because of this energy habit of sending the energy that would provoke us to cultivate sovereignty, to challenge our sovereignty, make it happen, just shunting that energy into this lake. Okay. So... The thing about her life at the time that she's finding this lake of anger is that she is well beyond um, a time of her life of needing to worry about protecting herself. She's safe. She's got resources. She's supported. She's skilled. She's got community. You know, there's none of that stuff that makes us um, unable to carry on with the process. So in the months that unfold from this retreat, She chooses through her processes that unfold in her follow-up work to sidestep the actual process we discussed about working directly with the yin lake because it would have required feeling the anger. And in in the process we discussed it would have been primarily dancing it and or some sort of expressive art dancing maybe dancing and then drawing but being engaged in a process of feeling that energy. Acknowledging it, releasing it, and really transforming it into the power that it truly is. But that habit of not feeling anger, that inner belief system about the danger of actually expressing your anger, one – And instead, she chose to disperse the anger through indirect processes. Now, of course, it's this typical thing that we do as contemporary people. We have lots of skills. We have lots of processes. Our helping spirits will answer any question we ask. So if we ask the wrong question, we go off in the the other direction, right? And so these were valid processes. But they were also processes deeply designed by her inner shadow self to avoid actually connecting with the anger. So it just got got dispersed, like poking a whole bunch of tiny little pinprick holes in a great big bag, and eventually it all drained out. And so in doing that, she released the anger from the lake, which was certainly better for her liver and better for her life to not be holding on to this great lake of anger. So it was healthier for her, but it did not allow her that transformation into her owning her power and her sovereignty. Okay. And the reason for that is what's missing fundamental to the whole process she's involved in is recognizing that it is our responsibility as a human to be grounded and from our sense of groundedness and sense of place to cultivate our own sovereignty. So without a value for sovereignty and without cultivating it, it, was, it, the lo- it seemed more logical to her, right, to disperse this energy and just get rid of it. So the thing is, we have to choose to be grounded. And so, so walking out on the land, everybody feels better after a big, long walk out on the land. Of course you do. And yes, it helps you to ground. But it's not the land's job to ground you. So what would the spirits of the land be telling you? How would, what would you be learning? What could they communicate with you if you actually arrived grounded and went on that big long walk? Where would you go? What, what would inspire in your imagination if you weren't forcing the spirits of the land to do your work for you, to ground you so that you're then ready, but then your walk's over and you're back into your life? So sovereignty begins with an understanding of the need in all human beings to be grounded and live in the body you have chosen. And this is the fundamental choice of being born here as a human. There, there, there are no opt-out clauses in this. And whether we're talking about alien implants or intrusive spirits or parasitic energies or all the many things that are out there on the internet. Yes, okay, let's, let's just for the sake of discussion say it's all real. Read about it. The bottom line in all of it is that if you are grounded, you are able to clear yourself. If you are grounded, you are able to protect yourself. If you are grounded and you actually own your sovereignty, this is my life, you do not get to use it, then you actually begin to repel those energies, all of them, whether it's you know sorcery or any of it, all of it. And yet, we continue to pursue our practices without groundedness as if we're entitled to the deepest initiations and the highest reaches of inspiration and illumination through our relationship with spirit, but we do not have to live in our body and be grounded. And it just doesn't work that way. It is just simply too easy to delude ourselves in practices that involve altered states if we are not grounded and living in our body. And so sovereignty begins in this understanding So we literally visualize our energy grounding into the earth and our being settling into our body and for many of you as soon as even hearing me say this is creating panic in your body because your body is so filled with the uncleared pain of your life, especially for those of you that experienced abuse directly in your life, not just mental or spiritual abuse but actual physical abuse, sexual abuse. Yeah, I get it. It's scary. Do it anyway. Learn a clearing practice that allows you to do it anyway. Like the clearing practice that I teach, like co-counseling, like focusing, like, you know, there's many. Learn a skill and do it so that you can live in your body and take responsibility and feel empowered to do your own clearing and as you begin to clear these false energies out faults I don't mean they didn't happen but faults in that they're not who you really are it's just pain you're carrying you let that go and begin to live in your body and clear these energies and empower yourself to clear these energies then you can begin to learn where you really stand once you begin to sense where you really stand that begins to reflect back to you who you are and what matters to you, not who you feel you're obliged to be, not who you feel um, you owe to other people, not who you think you need to be because you want to be a good husband or um, a wonderful mother or all of these things, but to actually understand who you are and what you value. What matters to you? What is the substance and the fiber of who you are at your core? So, this helps you then to understand what you stand for. And when you understand what you stand for, it gives you a reason then to claim space. I am here. This is my body. This is my space. And in that, you establish dominion. This is my domain. This is the space I take up in my life to make what I have come here to make happen, to do what matters, what is important to me. So dominion then, this sense of your space and your right to take space, puts you back into relationship with the spirits of the land. I mean, where's the space you're taking if it's not right here with the spirits of the land and on the earth itself? So if I'm going to take space and I'm going to use resources, then let me do so in a good way. And this is the fundamental core understanding of the relationship between power and responsibility. If I am to take space here and use resources to live my destiny, let me do so in a good way. Let me not waste these resources. Let me do so in a way that supports other life in doing the same. So that is when we begin to touch sovereignty. This deep understanding of the relationship between power and responsibility that leads to generosity and hospitality, that leads to inspiring others, mentoring, championing, that leads to... to valuing ourselves enough, this is also part of sovereignty, to go back to the body, go back to the land, to renew, to restore, to replenish. So what happened then with a the woman in our story is that without sovereignty, she didn't know why to reclaim her power. Without that strong sense of why, a why that needed the power she would reclaim to to then manifest without that why without that dream right she just modified her old pattern to be healthier but it allowed this energy to drain off in a way that didn't make any ripples and so this is the importance of all the stories of people's healing i think this is the place where i most see that it's the lack of sovereignty that purely that caused the the fact of all the work that was done to not actually actually presume, produce the desired outcome which was the reconnection to power her power right and that that comes out of sovereignty which gives us this understanding of why I'm going to claim my power and do something of good with it in the world something useful something meaningful with it in the world because I'm here I'm taking up space I'm using resources let me do that in a good way okay so The cycle of transformation teaches us that we can change anything if we approach the thing that needs changing from all four aspects of the self. That's part of the the fundamental teachings in the cycle. And so let's say that the thing that you need to change in your life is your lack of sovereignty or wobbly sovereignty or sovereignty that has been motivated by things that are not yours like entitlement. Right? What if you want to restore within you, for whatever reason, a true sense of sovereignty? Well, that means you need to address sovereignty spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and from the body. And if you do something in each of these four realms simultaneously, you will converge on the issue that needs changing in the center. And in this case, it would be sovereignty. And, and, and luckily, then you'll be in the center and you can establish sovereignty right where it belongs. Okay, so spirit. Fundamental to sovereignty is that you no longer carry the lie of separation. And you reestablish within yourself your direct relationship with the earth, with the spirits of the land on which you live and with the earth herself and so there's two parts to this so depending on what you feel is most detrimental to your sovereignty one thing you could pursue is the lie of separation so you could journey and ask your helping spirits to show you where you carry the lie of separation as some kind of, of mechanism or object or thing not as a spirit so much as part of the structure of your life of your being it's going to function there in your structure and then once you see see it as an object or a mechanism then um and you and you understand how it's playing into the structure of who you are then that leads to a set of kind of logical questions as to how do you remove it from where it functions in the structure of your life and replace it with this greater truth that you are one with all things you are one with the divine you are of the divine okay so that's one part the other is um, if you feel like you're pretty good with that the other is then to begin to literally cultivate your relationship with the earth element in your life Um, and and you can ask you know what does my relationship with the earth element look like at this time so what does it need to look or feel like to cultivate the sovereignty that I need to co-create the dream of my life? You know, that's the standard of relationship that we want to create. So you look at what it is and what you need to create and then just ask for your path forward to transform from where you are into what you need to create. Um, you can also create an elemental altar and begin to, or shrine and to begin to work with the elements directly through that aspect of shamanic work and there's shows about that I mean go look in the archives about working with the elements in your mind what you're going to need to explore are your beliefs and the related values that you hold about sovereignty you know for some of you you may have think that you have absolutely nothing in the sovereignty file but you should explore that ask your helping spirits to help you explore that find a spirit of intellect um, Sophia, or someone that can really help you with intellect and knowledge and really sort through what's going on in your mind around sovereignty. What beliefs and values do you hold that are kind of anti-sovereignty? Or what, what do you hold that would support sovereignty? And to clear those beliefs or values that no longer support what it is that you want to create in your life now. So again, clearing practices are needed. You might also look at beliefs and values that support your choice to not be grounded, that support your choice to not live in your body, um, that support your belief that you don't have a right to take up space, um, that kind of thing. So in your heart, for emotionally, what you will need to explore if you want to cultivate a sense of sovereignty is your addictions to intensity. And intensity can be substances, can also be activities – um, addiction to sex, work, working too much, um, high adrenaline activities, um, high adrenaline life, meaning always living in fear, always living in anger, you know, always living in these emotional patterns that keep your adrenaline running. Right. So these are addictions to intensity. And so, what you want to do as you identify a personal addiction to intensity is not so much deal with the addiction directly um, but think but but work with your helping spirits to understand what is it that you truly love that is being diverted. You know, I'm afraid to do what I truly love, and so I'm doing this intense thing instead, All right because ultimately, what you want to do is change to be able to express your love directly and to express your passion directly. So that would be the kind of journeying that you would explore relative to whatever addictions to intensity you find in your life. And once you've begun to, um, Express your love directly. Remember, you need to speak it out loud so that your heart hears you and you reprogram the mind and heart connection through hearing it, hearing yourself say it, and you need to do it. You need to feel yourself doing it, meaning speaking and doing this new expression of the love. And that ultimately, you'll need to do the body. You'll need practices. You'll need actual grounding practices. You know, Qigong has... Every single Qigong master on the planet has their own version of grounding form. They all work, right? So Qigong in many, many ways of grounding, but also things that bring you into your body like dance and other actions that you steer away from that actually call you into your body where you get to feel your blood, sweat and tears and, and live in your body and feel your body on the land. Okay. So, in closing, I just want to say that the sovereignty requires both an understanding of your right use of will and an understanding of the responsibility inherent in the fact that you have will to use. And with sovereignty, you create the foundation from which your dreamer can dream and your manifester can begin to build and manifest life that you will truly love. So I give thanks to the helping spirits that gather around us all and help us to do these things, all of them, the changing and the manifesting. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.